You're listening to Pastor Standing Firm Podcast. I am co-host Pastor Brian Bauer here with Pastor Jeremiah Stingle and an amazing guest today. We cannot wait for this. Been looking forward to it. He is the author of Canceling Christianity. He's a podcast host for Stand Up For Truth. His name is David Fiorazzo, and we are excited about having you. David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, guys. Looking forward to the conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yes. Tell us a little bit about yourself. You married, kids, where you live at, what you do with for a living. Um, wow. Uh, let's just try to condense that. Uh, married, yes. My wife, Rosanna, we have a lot of pets. We got married late. We're not able to have kids. And so we love dogs and cats and got them all over the place. They kind of control the house. Um, work at Q90FM, Lakeshore Communications. That's one of my jobs. Um, I'm a podcaster. I host Stand Up for the Truth. It's a nationwide program. We have people in a couple different countries that tune in every now and then. And it's amazing how it's grown in the last two years uh, since COVID. That's a whole other story um, as religious freedom has become a big issue. Also, I work for Freedom Project Education, Freedom Project Media out of Appleton, Wisconsin. They are really pushing the online schooling and classical Christian education. And I do a weekly segment there called Christ and Culture. And uh, I was also a pastor for a while. And uh, I serve at my church in De Pere, Wisconsin, right next to Green Bay. And that's where, where I am now. So uh, guys, thanks for having me. Well, that's really cool. Now, I know that you used to be a pastor, and you have kind of an interesting story of really how that kind of chapter closed. So yeah. if you want to kind of lead off with that, I think that's going to sure. kick us right into where we want to be today. Oh, boy. Yeah, that's this is uh, kind of difficult to shorten and condense, but I'm going to do it. Um, uh, wow. I was a pastor for about two years, two and a half years at that particular church. And we had absolutely no disagreement on doctrine or theology, but that was BC before COVID. (laughs) When COVID hit and the tyranny of the government and the lockdowns and all the things that they were doing across the country and states, state by state, um, we had to make decisions as Christians. Mm -hmm. I was telling you just before I got on the podcast, I had the pleasure of interviewing another pastor who was jailed, imprisoned. Uh, for keeping his church open. His name is James Coates. He's up in uh, uh, Edmonton, Canada, and uh, he was in prison a couple times, but amazing story. He's got a book out, brand new book out, but check out Stand Up for the Truth for that conversation. Also, Tim Stevens in Alberta, Canada, interviewed him, and I have met some amazing men of God. I call them remnant leaders, remnant pastors, and we are remnant believers. Remnant meaning the, the numbers are small, of true Bible-believing Christians in America, as you know from all the Barna studies, the worldview, uh, biblical worldview is decreasing every year. And to just unbelievable, it's really sad knowing our history and how we were founded as a nation and knowing the impact of the church in the early days. But here we are today. So um, when that hit, we had decisions to make on what is the church, what the purpose of the church is, what's the purpose of meeting the essentials of gathering, the church, you know, it's ecclesia, the church, the gathering. It's not about a building. It's not about a you know corporation. It's about the people and gathering. And you, there's so many things you cannot do online, uh, but people, you can get good teaching, but that's not the church. So anyway, um, really what really kicked things off there wasn't just COVID and whether we were going to have services outside because we couldn't be in the building. A lot of churches had to make those decisions, but some I believe, really stood firm and said, we are going to hold services because our authority, we answer to Jesus Christ, who is the head of the church. That's right. Mm-hmm. Our government is not the head of the church. Our governors are not the head of the church. And so these are decisions. Anthony Fauci is not the head of the church. So by the way, science doesn't speak. Scientists do. Okay, back <laughs> to answering your question. So the sermon that I preached, because I was preaching, I was on staff there, was, I believe it was um, called... Um, well, let me uh, have it in my book. Actually, one of the chapters in my book was based on that sermon, um, Lives That Matter to God, Christianity versus Marxism. And it's in the book, Canceling Christianity. And so there are some pretty major distinctions in worldview, some contrasting points on what Marxist worldview teaches and what the biblical worldview teaches. And some Christians were very confused about this, 
when the Black Lives Global Network Foundation that's Marxist driven erupted in our country and took over cities and streets, burnt buildings and got away with theft and vandalism and looting and lawlessness. And so we had to address that. Well, let me rephrase that. I chose to address that as a pastor. A lot of people didn't want to touch it because, oh, oh racist, can't talk, especially if you're a white pastor, right? You can't talk about Black Lives Matter. But no one went and really looked at their website. Very few went to due diligence, right? They went, what, what's their worldview? What's behind this? Where are the donations going that are supposedly given to help poor people or people, black people in the communities that are in need? They never got to them. One of the co-founders of Black Lives Matter, Patrice Cullors, she's, um, she's a Marxist, admittedly so. Self, she says she's a Marxist, and she owns, I think, four houses worth over a million dollars each. Um, she didn't have those before the Black Lives Matter Global Network Network Foundation expanded across the country, and people were donating to them because of what happened with the murder of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. Now, all that to say, I felt the church needs to equip the saints for ministry. The church also needs to inform our congregations, those who are in our care, how to respond to what's happening outside of church walls. That's my firm belief. And I, I have been blessed to interview so many men of God that have that stance. And it's really a biblical stance. It's, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't get a pat on the back. Uh, it shouldn't be surprising. But yet in the United States of entertainment, in America, in North America, Canada as well, we've taken our freedoms for granted. One of those freedoms, of course, religious freedom. So when you address these things, which I did, you get some pushback, not from outside the church, mm. from within, from professing Christians. What do I mean by professing Christians? There are people possibly in every church in North America that are not saved. They were not truly converted. I don't know their hearts. God does. But we have to address these things, no matter the pushback we get, the blowback we get. Who are we answering to? We know Acts, what Acts 5.29 says. We must obey God rather than men. Well, that's not the popular stance, you know, in America especially. So when I laid out this sermon and contrasted Marxism and Christianity, and then I simply observed what was happening on our own streets in this country that we live in, and what was infiltrating the education system, what Hollywood has been putting out, what the media did to promote the lawlessness in our country. You know, guys, you're pastors. I know the Bible has a lot to say about lawlessness, right? Yeah. So when we were just going along with that and saying, oh, yeah, that's it's for a good cause. I'm going, wait a minute. So looting, theft, coveting, rioting, vandalism. There were murders on the streets of our cities. Black business owners, were their, their buildings were burnt down. There were, and so how can you justify any of this, no matter our history? I'm sorry, I'm getting really passionate yeah. about this. So I laid out this sermon, guys, and I was a little angry. Um, and if I could change anything, I wouldn't change the content at all. I make no apologies for that. It was pulled off their uh, YouTube, and I put it on my personal YouTube. I was a little, it was a hot day. The sun was beaten down. We were battling COVID, meeting outside because we refused to not meet. But we kind of, we, we had a, a, three elders wanted to meet inside. Three, three elders wanted to meet outside just to keep going. At least we wanted to keep our church open. But we were outside. The, the sun was beating down on me. I was disappointed at the reaction of some in our body, in our own flock, lovely people there, truly converted but they didn't have a proper balanced perspective and worldview on Black Lives Matter and Marxism and Christianity and, and how to address it. Um, so I don't know if you can relate to that. So basically that opened my eyes and that was probably six months before I actually stepped down. But we had conversations, the elders again on that matter were split. Here's what we were split on. Not any of the content, thankfully, they were split on whether to address it from the pulpit on a Sunday morning. Mm. 
And I would love to hear you guys and, and what your thoughts are about that on, and what you've addressed in the last two years, because this is something that's come up in a lot of churches across the country. So there's the nutshell version of that, a little bit longer than what I wanted, but thanks for asking about it. Man, talking to you is fantastic, so I'm not going to take a lot of time with me, but I do want to say I totally agree with you. I'm growing into this, so I've not been brought up in a spiritual environment where you do talk about stuff like this because okay. you don't want to offend people with things that are secondary to the gospel message. Jesus Christ died, buried, risen from the dead, seated at the right hand of God, going to judge the whole earth, primary. And then distant, distant, distant second is, okay, well, we'll kind of figure out how to equip people for some ways of things, but not everything. And I've sensed that God's been leading me to take some steps toward that. So in okay. reading your book here, you know, you actually make a statement that I thought this would be really good. If your pastor is worried about being politically corrupt and accepted by the world rather than being biblically correct and seeking God's approval, that's a problem. In addition to sound doctrine and the whole counsel of God, including Bible prophecy, if your pastor isn't talking about the importance of religious freedom, worldview, role of government, social issues from the pulpit, please ask him to do so. And, mm. If someone came to me and said, Pastor, I'd like for you to do so, I would say I'm trying and I'm getting closer to where I could just take a stand on everything. Uh, one of our elders said something really good to me. He said, what you're saying, because I did address some racism stuff because we have a very diverse church. And right now the world's saying, if you're black, if you're brown, you're oppressed. And I'm saying that is that is so not what the Bible says about you. That's Marxism. <laughs> well, it's also like against everything. It's for freedom that you've been set free. So therefore, do not let anyone put a yoke of bondage on you. I mean, that's scripture right there. So yeah. clearly they were talking about religious stuff at the time, you know, in Galatians. But, you know, mm. I, I think it applies in every way, shape or form. And so for me, I started to address the racism issue just because I saw it affecting our people. I saw mm. our people being oppressed by this teaching, and I didn't yeah. like that. And so I stand up for our people, and I say, hey, you guys need to be free. Well, there was a little bit of pushback because I'm a white pastor speaking on race issues. It's just a—it's not a—I can't do it. It's just not who do you think you are, but— maybe you're not the best one for it kind of thing. And I'm saying, well, I can't, I can't, I can't shift the responsibility that God's placed on me. So I have to yeah. do it. And so one of our elders said to me in follow-up from a, a series of messages that I did, cause I did get pretty angry as well in the message. And I told people, I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at the devil because he's been lying yeah. to you. And I'm Amen. really, really angry at that. And I cannot not be angry at that because you need to feel the heart of my pastor loves me yeah. and he's going to defend me. Well, it didn't get, that message got across to most people, but there was a few that didn't. And when the elders found out about it, you know, they just said, hey, and one of them said such a, such a beautiful, profound thing. He said, give, give yourself 20 years of being the pastor at the same church and you're going to earn that right to challenge people's core beliefs. I mean, because we're hitting people on the, the things that they're standing on. You know, we're, we're like pushing the foundation. We're rocking the, and they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait, my life is not built on Christ. My life is built on a worldly thing, you know? And it's yes. not pleasant to have that kind of experience. It, it feels very like, and, and people coming to church, they feel like this is a place I'm safe, you know? Like this is a place where I can worship God freely and I can let truth be spoken in my heart. So when you start addressing some of those things and you're pointing out, hey, there's some areas where you need to repent and believe the gospel in that area of your life and stop living on a worldly foundation. It's, it's difficult, especially when yes. you're not in the habit of doing. I actually had to tell our people at one point, I had to say, when you get offended by something that's being preached from the word, you've got only two options. There are no other options. You either, number one, study the scriptures, pray, and you repent because you've been living in deception. Or number two, you read the scriptures, you pray, and you realize that what's being taught is not biblical, and you get as far and fast out of there as you possibly can. I said, those are the only two options. The gospel is going to offend you. And when it does, our responsibility is to read the scriptures like the Bereans, to pray, and to do one of those two things, run away because it's not biblical or repent and believe because you've been living in deception. And one man came up to me afterwards and he said, man, thank you so much for doing that with me. Uh, I actually went and bought my first Bible because 
I've been offended at some of the stuff that you've been saying recently, and I just realized <laughs> I don't know the Bible at all, and when my kids got questions, I need to know the answers to it. And this man had been attending this church for years, and he doesn't own a Bible. And so that really helped me understand that a lot of people are just coming with their with their worldly mindset, and they're just getting a, a, a stamp of approval on it, and, and no one is confronting people with these issues from, from a, a, a place of conviction. And, and so that's yes. where I'm at. I'm not there all the way. Reading your yeah. book has definitely challenged me in many ways because I'm like, <laughs> I got to step up my game. You know, at the same time, I got to do it at a pace that the people mm-hmm. can handle. And, and uh, not, not that they can handle like I'm, like I'm going to water it down for them. It's just the way that I go about doing things and stuff. And it's an interesting journey and I'm growing. The, the COVID yeah. thing has woken me up. I mean, I was clearly <laughs> asleep on so many of these things yeah. beforehand yeah. and it just woke me up and, and that's kind of where I'm at. So I'm going to let Brian chime in here because that's, that's my journey. And uh, uh, my journey is shorter and <laughs> simpler. I, I, uh, I have a, I have a tendency to um, wear my heart on my sleeve and just say, this is where I'm at and what I'm thinking. And this is what the Bible says. And if you don't like it, there's the door, <laughs> you know, which has been, uh, so I, I just, I'll be brutally honest. And that has, that has made me the best friends, worst enemy of a lot of lead pastors. Um, and the, a lot of love, hate relationships over the years. But on the other hand, with our church, it's been a moment where God just kind of shined a light. And, and if anything for us, strangely, I mean, my head's still kind of spinning from it. It made us go the other way. It made us be a draw to people who said, you know, I'm looking for truth. I'm not looking to be told what I want to hear. I, uh, you know, seven tips of marriage is nice, but tell me what you believe, you know, and that's one of the things we talk about on this podcast is, and and I think David, you, you told the truth, like, this is what the Bible says up against Marxism. This is what the Bible says up against what thousands of people are doing in the streets right now. This is what the yeah. Bible says versus what our country is embracing right now. This is what the Bible, you know, like people are like, well, we don't, they don't want to know what we're against. Like, well, yeah, that's part of it because what we're for is against that. That is part of the deal. How do you speak to pastors and leaders today, David, and what would you say to them who they're kind of holding their tongue? They're they're still trying to navigate the waters of being cool and giving people good life tips and excellent TED Talks and, you know, or not excellent tech talk, TED Talks. And, uh, and you'd say, hey, man, you just got to tell them the truth. I've tried. Um, uh, we had a meeting here many years ago where a lot of pastors came in and met with us. They didn't like what we were doing. Some might call it fear mongering because we talk about Bible prophecy and things like that. Talk about the World Economic Forum and global government and the attacks on the Christian worldview. Antonio Mar- uh, Gramsci and Marxist influence of taking over the institutions in America, how that was an agenda that they implemented. Mm-hmm. And they've been very successful in the last 100 years or plus. But um, yeah, I, it's hard to address them when they... I don't think they want to do it. I think they would rather just have you not do it. Then they won't feel either convicted. Then they won't feel like they're not addressing what they should be at church. I don't know what it is, guys. But all I know is we've got a biblical, biblically illiterate, um, I was going to say, country for sure. But unfortunately, our churches, and when that is reflected in society, we're now in schools, kids are identifying as all kinds of different genders, is that the school's fault? No, the school is an antichrist organization. It's systemically flawed. And uh, my parents were teachers. My uh, sister was a teacher. My, I have cousins that were teachers in the school system. So you know my heart when I say this. It cannot be reformed. It is a godless system. Mm-hmm. It is not education, right? right? So we've got to acknowledge this as Christian parents and take some responsibility and stop sending your kids off to Caesar. Right, and wonder why they come home Romans. when they come home as a Roman, yeah. and they don't believe the Christian worldview anymore. It's like I said, the worldview uh, beliefs is getting lower and lower, and so this is part of the problem here. And it falls a lot of it falls on the pulpits, and it, this goes back fifty 
to 75 years. And there's a lot of reasons for it. We can dissect it, overanalyze it, but I know that's not the purpose of this podcast. But talking to leaders has been, uh, it's been disappointing for especially those locally here in our area. Mm-hmm. First of all, not a lot of chi- uh, b- uh, pastors are addressing Bible prophecy. Yeah. Uh, fewer address cultural issues. What do, we, what do I mean by that? When I say cultural, political, or social issues, what do I mean? Moral issues. Where can you find information on moral issues? How about the Bible? <laughs> and so they're not addressing these things, guys. From creation, you take the creation of God and his existence, take that out. So now there's no longer our creator. Now it's nature. We'll pray to the universe. And now you don't have the creator of male and female. Now marriage doesn't matter anymore. That's meaningless. So you take all of these these major stones that are supposed to be in our foundation of the biblical worldview once you remove God. And that's what our culture and society has done. And we wouldn't have to. You said, Jeremiah, earlier that you're starting to address these things more and more. Uh, uh, We wouldn't have to address as many things outside of teaching God's word if we had been doing it, not you and I, but pastors for the last, I don't know, 75 years, if we had been doing it, but we've gotten too comfortable in America with our religious freedoms, with the um, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Well, how do you pursue happiness? Well, that's entertainment, that's leisure, that's luxury, that's our best life now. And that, my friends, is not biblical Christianity. So I'll let you guys go to the next question if you want, or keep this going. I don't care. <laughs> this is so rich. It is very challenging. <laughs> I'm just telling our listeners right now, just buckle up because this man has got a word from God for us. I think that you're a prophetic voice. I think that you're speaking truth in a day where truth is becoming more and more rare. And as you're looking at the current state of the world, which you've been talking about, and processing the idea of leadership at the local church in an age of widespread deception, like what kind of message do you have for people? Because I think I think that's where the biggest thing is, is like, it's like we've got to tell people, like, this is so foolish. Like, this, this gender thing is... To me, the most foolish thing. It is the emperor's got no clothes on level stupid. Like, this is so dumb. Like, Unintended. We, we, <laughs> we, like, there is, there is no... There was a movie, like, Kindergarten Cop back in the day, and there's a little child, and he goes, men have penises and girls have vaginas. Like, like... Come on, it's that easy, you know. Like it's not so, complicated. when when there's deception that's this large, where where companies, I had one man in our church. He had to write on his email signature his pronouns, and and he was like, "Is it a sin for me to do that?" And I said, "If you can do that with your faith in God, because you want to participate." in your company and what you need to do, then you need to do that. If for some reason it's affecting your faith, Romans says that anything that's not done in faith is sin. And so you need to figure it out for yourself. This isn't a question that I can answer for you. This is your conscience and what your conscience is telling you, you know? So when, when companies are at that level where I'm, I'm making my employees become challenged to believe in God because of the policies that we're now implementing that they must have. I mean, it's now affecting people in very, very deep ways. So what's, what's kind of your message to spiritual leaders? When it comes to the, the specifically the, the, the deception, the gender, gender surrender. Well, <laughs> just the deception that's out there. I mean, gender is just one of the things, but it's now, it's now encroaching on people's everyday lives. I mean, this man well, is my, at my church and he's like, is it a sin for me to write my pronouns at the bottom of my email? You know, mm. is be, because, because he's having such a hard time with just the whole agenda that's come with it because woke doesn't just mean race. Woke means the whole thing. Like, that's yeah. why I love Mark Driscoll. He says, you know, that this woke culture has its own born again experience. Like mm-hmm. you become woke. Like it is a religion. It is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Colossians 2 8 says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. And what are these worldly philosophies? These philosophies are things that are going against the Bible and the word of God. Again, to reiterate, once you drop some of these foundational teachings, creation, Genesis 1 through 11, marriage, family, it's been under attack way before the Supreme Court decided to 
um, you know, say same-sex marriage is the law. You know, they can't, first of all, they can't legislate. It's not the law of the land, by the way, because the Supreme Court doesn't legislate according to our constitution. That's for another conversation, but they made this decision on this case. So it goes back to our foundational principles and teaching the word of God. And I would say pastors, um, if you're worried about people being offended or, or people, you know, liking you or, or people from the outside saying you shouldn't be talking like that, you're a homophobe. Um, I, I'm sorry. I think that there are men of God, faithful uh, leaders throughout the years that have been imprisoned, that have been beheaded. There are, uh, go to Voice of the Martyrs, persecution.com. Go to Open Doors. Look at some, how the underground church functions in some of these countries. And then come back and tell me how you're worried about being called a hater. Boom. Or how you're worried about uh, saying, uh, well, we better not use the right, that gender or whatever. Uh, come on, guys. This is, it really is ridiculous. So we've got to get back to speaking the truth. And since we've got, we were so far away from that as a nation, I mean, thank, thankful, like Franklin Graham is always out there. We've got to repent and come back to God. I go, I, I don't know. I think this call is falling on deaf ears now, unfortunately. And, and he's trying to get the church to repent. Abraham Lincoln, 1863, was it, I think. Um, he declared a national day of fasting and prayer and humiliation before the God we have offended. Mm -hmm. And part of that message was, and, and I don't think it was the Thanksgiving proclamation that year. I think he did one in March of that year. And he said, we have forgotten God, the God that prospered us and gave us peace and the nation and the freedoms that we enjoy. We have forgotten him who really is still sovereign. And I, know, but I don't think we have heeded that call throughout the years, because that same call that Abraham Lincoln gave in the 1860s, I think, it's been echoed by different men of God, uh, faithful leaders in America, There's because there's been a remnant. But I don't know what it's going to take, guys. Uh, and here comes, here came COVID, right, where our backs were up against the wall. They were saying, church, you're not essential. But abortion businesses are, where they murder babies in mothers' wombs. That that's essential. And we got to keep the hardware stores open and the gas stations and some of these other stores, bars, yes. But, uh, but churches, you got to close. Um, and we let it happen. So anyway, I got a chapter in my book called uh, Did the Church Pass the COVID Test? And I think, you know, my answer would be on that. And so we don't, we don't need to get into it. But there are many, many, many reasons for that. Um, and I completely forgot what the question was. Yeah, well, here, I got I got a follow up to it then, because okay, okay. there's going to be people who say this to their pastors. Pastor, I'd rather you not talk about politics. Can we keep <laughs> politics out of the church? So what, what's I mean, come on, what's what's the answer to that? OK, well, this is because we bought the lies of the enemy. Um, and there's a big lie. And I, I called one of in my book. One of the chapters is um, the second biggest lie in America. It is the separation of church and state, thinking that anything that is not verbatim, word for word in scripture, is political, if it has anything to do with government or with laws or our society. Who ordained civil government? God did. Mm. Uh, the Apostle Paul, remember he appealed to Caesar? Oh, he used his Roman citizenship at one time. There's so many examples in the Bible how it's, it's not an ugly, uh, uh, just a secular thing that we need to ignore. And that's another problem, by the way, that Christians aren't voting. Tens of millions of Christians professing, I might add, so-called Christians are not even voting. With, it, with all the voter fraud and cheating that goes on every election, but it was off the charts in 2020, but with all the fraud that happens every election, if even 2% more of professing Christians, that may be a couple million people, if they voted, the election wouldn't even be close. Uh, some people need to, we, we get to 10% more Christians to vote, but it doesn't matter. The point is, because of our believing that lie that politics is secular, we, don't, we shouldn't be involved in that. What does that mean? The logical conclusion of that is Christians shouldn't be on school boards. Christians shouldn't be running for office. Right. Christians shouldn't vote. Christians shouldn't talk about abortion because that's a political issue, isn't it? And mm -hmm. we've got the Democrat Party. That's more big plank, major plank in their murderous platform, abortion. And you can't talk about it because it's political. Mm -hmm. How dare you? Molech in the Old Testament was a God that they sacrificed their babies to. You don't think abortion is a moral issue? You don't think a life begins at conception? Read your Bible, repent and pray to the Lord.
that he will give you insight and wisdom on how to respond to that. Because if you're afraid to talk about something as important as the right to life in a mother's womb, anyway, I know I'm going down this track again, but political issues are moral issues. And because we bought this lie that originated from a letter in 1802 that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Church, the Connecticut Association of Baptists, it was a private letter. The idea or the phrase separation of church and state is found nowhere in our constitution, nowhere in our founding documents. And Thomas Jefferson wrote it. And the context was he was not going to hold one denomination higher than the other. He was not mm -hmm. going to favor the Episcopal church over right. the Baptists or whatever the one, I think it was Episcopal church that was getting a lot of attention or a lot of representatives were at that time before the Episcopal Church went off the rails into apostasy. So that's the context of separation of church and state, and the left has used that. And then in, um, anyway, I was going to go into the Johnson Amendment. We don't have time to do that. But so this is the problem when Christians aren't engaged because they're, they're believing something wrong to begin with. They bought the lie that, ooh, politics, secular, immoral. I better not, I don't want to talk about that. Pastor, you shouldn't be talking about that. Um, and here I'm thinking two of the most important things we need to be addressing are faith or religion and politics. Because mm. politics, someone's morality will be legislated in Washington, D.C. And how you know that's look at the, the transgender, these all these different laws and orders and all these different things that are being passed down. Abortion, the abortion battle, that is what we fight that. First of all, it, we fight that in prayer, but also because our, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's against the powers and principalities. That is a demonic movement that would be proud to kill a baby. That is demonic. But we fight that by, in legislation, by going and voting and, and holding our senators, our congressmen, our local representatives accountable. That's how we fight these wars. That's politics, but it's not yucky and evil and wicked. Now, there is corruption in there. You know, Donald Trump, when he got elected, he, brought, he thought he knew he was going to go drain the swamp. He probably had no idea how deep and dark that swamp was. Mm -hmm. But that's the idea of politics, guys. We, we must not separate. You can't divorce your faith and your, your understanding of civil government or politics. That's like pulling up to the voting booth or outside, going in the parking lot, Jesus, stay in the car, I'm leaving my Bible, I'm taking anything about the gospel, no one knows I'm a Christian, now I'm going to go in this secular place to pull a lever for some political party. That is ridiculous. I'll let you guys chime in, sorry. No, it's so good. That's so good, David. We, One of the things I'm thinking about as you're talking about, because Christians have retreated from everything, I think I think most pastors and Christians would be embarrassed to stand next to a Dietrich Bonhoeffer today oh, because he stood, he stood so strong. So, and, and, and all the other pastors, right. They, they were neutered. They, and they went along with it. And I think we're doing the same thing. It's not any different. I recently, I watched, and it's a joke of a documentary on the, the one on Hillsong that discovery did. And it, and it's terrible, but they, they try and, pinpoint them as a toxic organization by talking about the seven mountains that many Christians believe in that we're supposed to be influential in these reasons of entertainment, media, the arts, engineering, STEM, you know, government. That's, that's a Christian's call is to be light to the world. And they paint that even in that documentary is that's evil for Christians, specifically Hillsong in, in, in that case to do such a thing. And yet you know, this is in the very doctrine. That's not even Christian doctrine, but we do believe it as far as being light to the world. But the seven pillars isn't. But the doctrine of Islam is that you are supposed to go in and take over. Wow. And, and nobody's saying this about Islam. Nobody's raising, raising that criticism. Why? And yet the church is buying the lie, the evangelical church is buying the lie, that it's our job to be silent and neutered and just go along because, quote, that's what Jesus did. I think you made a really good point. First of all, love Bonhoeffer. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. God will not hold us guiltless. Um, I just wrote an article this week on, I mentioned there were um, huge numbers of Muslims went to uh, New York City, Times Square, openly to pray and celebrate Ramadan. You didn't hear anybody 
argue with that or have a problem with that. Oh, separation of church and state. They shouldn't be doing that in public. You'll never hear that. Uh, Islam is even being taught in some public schools in America. That might be a surprise to some of your listeners, but it is. Um, they're teaching it under the guise of uh, religious pluralism, right? The coexist philosophy, which is evil. And it is against Christianity. Why? Christianity is very exclusive. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So anyway, they got this big Muslim meeting in New York City a couple of weeks ago. We celebrate Easter, the resurrection, uh, this last weekend. Joe Biden doesn't even mention God, let alone Jesus or the resurrection. So this is really interesting at the White House. You know, they had an Easter bunny, though, right. and the egg hunt. Oh, they had that. Easter bunny might have pushed Jesus. him away from talking about the Bible. Yeah, uh, that's anyway. right. Oh, one other thing, though. Um, there was a meeting down in Florida. School board decided to promote the National Day of Prayer coming up in a few weeks. Now, that's a good thing. But their idea of prayer is to get all the religions and all the faiths and all the beliefs together to pray. And I'm going, wait a minute. One of us is praying to the one true only living God. And one of us or others are praying to dead gods, false idols. They're praying to the universe. They're praying to inanimate objects and false prophets. But mm. we're praying to the living God. How can you unite under something like that. But anyway, they had a problem with the school board because, you know, separation of church and state, right? But it's not, that's not what they're promoting. Their, their problem is with Christianity, not with Islam, Buddhism, Wicca. Uh, you don't believe me? They're teaching uh, Wicca is a 501c3 organization, tax exempt religious organization, the occult. They're teaching witchcraft in public schools. They've got a Harry Potter lesson plan that teachers have used to, to teach in public schools. That's witchcraft. Oh, okay. Well, what does the Bible say? It doesn't, it doesn't say anything about Harry Potter. Oh, well, go to the Old Testament. You can read about uh, sorcery and witchcraft and mediums. Anyway, I know I'm getting off track here, but the point is this idea of uh, praying and allowing other religions to come in under our um, religious uh, freedom, this has really hurt us, guys. So, But Christians have backed down. Who is the first one to compromise? Christians. Mm -hmm. right and that's how we lost the public schools you talk about the seven mountains um i'm not sure if i agree with everything that they would sure sure some of those uh, right. christians would in endorse but the the biblical concepts are preserving salt is a preservative we're not we haven't preserved biblical morality in our culture mm -hmm. we're, we're not flavoring uh we are to be i think in first uh, corinthians 4 we are to be the the alleviate the aroma of christ we are not flavoring our culture with leaving christ when we leave they know wow Christ is, he's, that's an influence. We're talking about influence, salt mm -hmm. and light, being shining the light in the darkness, being the light of the world that Jesus said we are to be. So the, the, the uh, subject is influence. And yeah, we've lost the institutions. I don't think we should rally and say, we got to take back all the, I, I don't know if I like that language because words are very important. And I'm not sure we would want to take them back because they've all become secularized. I think mm. we need to focus on revival, repentance and revival yeah. and taking back the church. How about if we take back churches in America, guys? Let's start there. That's so good. So you mentioned earlier biblical prophecy. Uh, you mentioned the World Economic Forum, the one world government idea. You know, I mean, there's things like People are getting chips put in their hands now. I mean, there's yeah. all kinds of stuff that's just like, oh, my goodness, you're looking around. I mean, what's your level of, like, urgency? If there was, like, a DEFCON 5, <laughs> DEFCON 1, you know, like, where are you at? I mean, like, no one knows the day or the hour, but we yeah. should not be surprised when we look at the signs of the times. So where, where are you at with kind of all of that? And, and if you want to dabble into the Klaus Schwab stuff and kind of just <laughs> where, wherever you want to take this one. Well, basically, we know COVID was used as a weapon. Whether you believe the virus was created in China and then spread out to the world or not, it spread to the world and, and the left, the enemies of God used it because they're one of their philosophies is never let a serious crisis go to waste. Use it to re, to reach your achieve your goals and the World Economic Forum. Their goals are globalism, humanism. There is no God. Man can be God. Transhumanism is another topic. Uh, but I don't know if I, I, I would mention a level I think what I see, and you guys probably see it too, Jeremiah and Brian, um, the things are happening prophetically like we've, we never would have imagined in our lifetime. Not only that we're seeing these things, signs, and going, wow, that's did I read something in Revelation about that? But the frequency, 
yeah. of these things that are happening are off the charts. Wow. And the problem with that is it makes some people feel overwhelmed and undaunted. So they need to unplug. They can't even look at the headlines. They can't even address what's going on. And, and I do understand that. Uh, but at the same time, as Christians, I believe we're responsible to help save those who are suffering and going back to when the church closed because of COVID, how the government used it and, you know, all the power grabs at a time when people were the most fearful in that I can remember in my lifetime and the most, uh, I don't know, uncertain about the future because of this unknown virus at the, at a time when people were feeling the most hopeless and did, those who don't have the hope of Christ, the churches were closed. Yep. And so this is, that was, they wanted that by design, the government, the World Economic Forum, the globalists, they've got to weaken America and what makes America strong. Traditionally, what has made America strong is the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. And of course, the blessed constitution that we have, I'm not saying God blessed it, but it's definitely God inspired. Uh, it's not a perfect document, but my goodness, we are so blessed to have the Bill of Rights and the Constitution that we have here. So, but they've used whatever they could use because with a strong America, they can't have their one world government. There will, there, I've heard more people in the last couple of years talk about the new world order, and I know you guys mm -hmm. have too, than I can ever remember. Not even this hiding is it. This interesting. Isn't it? It's it is. so interesting. It is. And yeah. what what do you say to Christians who are, uh, they're seeing all of this. They're watching guys like Klaus Schwab, the World Economic Forum. They're saying you're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy about it. You've got giant corporations like BlackRock. You've got Bill Gates buying up all the land in the country that is available and I'm watching Christians like still being like, so what leadership podcast you listening to right now? So uh, what kind of hazers do you have in your sanctuary right now? Uh, did you hear the new elevation? Oh, and I'm sitting here like, wake up. <laughs> how are you not, not forget how long your sermon is and trying to keep it at 30 minutes? Tell the truth. And look at some of this stuff and, and, and ring the bell. Jesus is coming. The end is near. How do you not see any of this stuff? Obviously, right, we know the Lord can tarry and, and things like that. We understand that. But how do we how do we tell leaders, Christians, this stuff is happening? It's not because there's so much pushback, David. There's so much like that's conspiracy theory. Like that's the like, that's the go-to answer. That's conspiracy theory. You're weird. And I'm like, no, you're weird because the Bible says this and it, and that th that's the thing that happened right now, right here. How do you not see that? Yeah. Um, don't confuse me with the facts or the truth, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, they, some people, I mean, gosh, we've got a problem with fake news, got a problem with misinformation, um, but they've used words and they've framed it to mean if you don't agree with the government or global narratives, mm -hmm. you are the ones that are promoting misinformation. And they've gotten away with it, guys. They've gotten away with it. I heard somebody. We have, a, we have a one party, big tech media conglomerate is the Democrat Party. I'm not saying the Republicans are all angels, nor would I vote for all Republicans. But what I'm saying is you've got one party, this hook, line and sinker. They are for that agenda. Yeah. And it is astounding to me that people now fall for that when you're accused of misinformation they don't even want to give a response they'll just attack and that should tell you something christian when you ask a question when you even want to disagree say hey wait a minute i'm not sure that's accurate didn't you see that this happened i mean you're reading a headline in a story right. maybe maybe something that's even been confirmed and they're going no no you're just whatever you're follow fox news you're your right winger whatever they call you i don't know but these days, because I've been in it for so long, they've changed their terms on what they accuse you of. And who's who's the accuser of the brethren? Thank mm -hmm. you, Satan. Yeah. Um, so they accuse you, and I'm, I'm going, wait a minute, we've we've crossed a line here to now people are are defending what they know to maybe they don't know it's a lie, but they're defending things that aren't true because they've been conditioned, they've been convinced, and they've been um, brainwashed, whatever you want to call it so i don't know that the issue is addressing leaders uh unfortunately i think most church leaders have made up their minds and you guys are still young i think uh younger than me anyway 
but there are a lot of church leaders who have just, you know, they want to just take it easy. They don't want to deal with this. It's, it's too hard. It brings up too much. They might lose a tither. Uh, you know what I mean? They might offend somebody, whatever. But the, the, the guy I just interviewed today, Pastor James Coates uh, on Standard for the Truth, he was in prison twice. He got in prison for keeping his church open since he took a stand on what the true church is and what the purpose of the church is and the biblical stance and our relationship with government, how the government is not our ultimate authority. It's Jesus Christ. He is our head. Once he took that stand, his church grew. In our area here, we had a small church. It's now grown. It's quadrupled in size since the last year, year and a half. Because our pastor is not only teaching through the Bible verse by verse, he, he, he often addresses Bible prophecy, but he is not ashamed or not afraid to address what's going on outside church walls and these battles that we're having in culture, because Christians need to know how to respond to these things. They're not as studied as, you know, maybe you and I are, maybe you guys are more than me, but they need to know that, like you said, there are people at your church that have been in your church for years and are asking very basic questions about pronouns. And I'm going, oh my goodness. Here, here's a, I just, this is a, one rule of thumb I use. If someone like a, a Caitlyn Jenner, I can call him Caitlyn because he legally changed his name. But notice I didn't say her or she because the truth is, the biblical truth, the biological truth, the scientific truth with DNA and everything is he is still a man, but he changed his name to Caitlin. So legal, I will respect that. And I'll call him Caitlin Jenner. You can use that same thing with students. I get teachers who are insiders that are Christians in our area. They send me stuff that the LGBT, uh, you wouldn't believe how prevalent that is in, in almost every school at every level to the youngest of children. And they're trying to groom children uh, we can talk about Disney another time if you want, but this is what they're doing. But he sends me this stuff. I'm going, wow. He recently had a student approach him and, and demand that he use her pronouns. And he said, David, what do I need some advice here? What do I do? And I grabbed an article. I said, there was a case that went to court four years ago with a university professor. He finally won because he was fired for not using the student's gender and the, and the college did that. So you're gonna see more cases like that. I said, brother, it's gotta be your call. And you mentioned that Jeremiah, it's conscience of the individual, but we know what the word of God says. Yeah. They are prom promoting a lie. Yeah. And they are insulting our God, who is the creator. Uh, he, he created all things by the by his power and outstretched arm and create, he created us male and female and established marriage and family and civil government. And here we are deciding how are we going to, what words are we going to use in public to mm -hmm. about another human being? So this is how far we've come. Man, I was on a Facebook <laughs> group with a group of pastors and I brought up some of these issues re regarding COVID and things like that. And I made the statement, I said, everything is spiritual. Because, because really, when it, when it gets down to it, I mean, everything that was created, Hebrews 11.3 says, was created by God's spoken word. So everything that exists is, is, is in some form a spiritual reality because it's, it's God's word that's holding all this together. But specifically, I was talking about the agenda that these people have that released this virus, that have used this pandemic as a mm -hmm. political power thing. And, and he, he said, this is just a virus. This is, and, and this was like a public forum. I mean, it was a private Facebook group, but it was, I mean, it was, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that there's a pastor who's, who's so blind to understand that there is a spiritual attack right now on people to yeah. deceive people, to enslave people, to take people's lives, and then to trivialize this thing to say, no, this isn't a spiritual attack. This is this is just a virus. Like wow. I couldn't believe it. And you were talking earlier about you know the censorship and things like that. Like I, I heard somebody say that in communist China, one of the ways that believers were able to figure out what is true is if it got censored. Like if it gets censored, that's where the truth is. I can tell you another thing. You can tell when something's a lie if it's fact checked. <laughs> if it's mm -hmm. fact checked, if it's got a little thing on it that says it's been verified, I'm telling you that's a lie. Like the only time they're spending any time fact checking anything is to make sure that they can cover up the truth and promote the lies. Mm -hmm. uh, I just uh, uh, beside myself. 
Well, let me share some uh, scripture with you from First John. You guys are probably very familiar with this, but I think it's very applicable to what we're dealing with today. It's not just those outside the church or people that don't know the word of God. Sometimes our enemy is within and we argue with men who should know the will of God, the, the word of God should be defending the truth instead of apologizing or minimizing or neutralizing the gospel, um, testing the spirits. You know, we're supposed to test all things and be discerning. Uh, Jude, interestingly enough, he talks about those who have crept in uh, that are in the church. Jude talks about, well, over in First John uh, chapter 4, it says, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this, you know, the spirit of God. Simple. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that is coming, and now it is already in the world. And then it says, you know, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. And then verse 6, we are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. And by this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Mm. So the Bible is pretty clear on some of these things. When people start disagreeing with you or saying, no, you're speaking lies when they are lying themselves. But this delusion that we're dealing with is not going to go away. That's why I encourage you, Jeremiah, Brian, anyone else who's a pastor out there to get prayed up on this because the attacks will come once you start addressing this more often. But man, your rewards are in heaven. Your, your reward's not going to be here. It might be in different ways, but God's going to honor that when you stand on his truth, on the word of God. Mm, that's so good. Uh, David, can we close with this question? If you're standing before a room of pastors and they're leading their congregation and it's a diverse crowd, you've got some who lean into the truth and they'll believe the word of God and and then you got a group of others who they're the seeker church and everything in between, uh, and they're embracing all the things. What charge do you give those pastors? Wow, what charge? I can just think of Second Timothy 4. Preach the word in season and out of season. Rebuke, exhort. You know, it goes on, right? But preach the word. Make mm -hmm. no apologies. Um, yes, it's true. This is spiritual battle. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but we are not to be man pleasers. Paul said, if I was still trying to please man, I would not be a bond servant of Christ in Galatians 1.10. Yeah. Um, so I would encourage them, make sure they're seeking approval from God alone. Mm. God knows your heart. He also knows the people out there. And, and guys, I think you might agree with me if you've uh, read up on the worldview issues inside churches in America, that we need a weeding Mm. We need to sit, get, get some, we pull some weeds. We need some refining in the church. So don't worry, pastor, about offending someone who might be seeker sensitive. Mm. If, you, if you made the mistake, whether it be years ago or recently, of drawing them to your church by using worldly means, worshiptainment or a rock concert with your worship team or, or gimmicks or whatever else in your neighborhood or your, the rainbow flag outside because you want to be welcoming, right? rip that down right now stop using those things rip take down your fog machine don't use all your flashy lights get back to the heart of worship if necessary band the band just sing with the voices a cappella. get back to the heart of worship get back to understanding why we worship and who we worship and he is worthy guys that song brings me to the tears Amen. is he worthy so the good. lion of judah the root of david Oh my goodness, we, we lose sight of who we are preaching about and who needs to be saved and how holy he is and how unholy we are. So don't worry about who's in your congregation. I don't care about race, gender, seeker-sensitive church background, tradition. You need to preach the truth because the truth is going to penetrate. And if Jesus is the truth, which he is, and the word of God is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, which it is, the truth will get through to those who God intends it to get through to. And you are just the vessel and the instrument. Let God use you as his instrument. Amen. Wow. 
That was good. Great I am work, gonna man. I'm gonna just take that little clip right there and I'm gonna play that every morning. That's gonna be my <laughs> that's gonna be my Stuart Smalley decoration in the mirror in the morning. Because I'm good, good enough, I'm smart enough. A doggone it, people like me. <laughs> <laughs> hey, this has been fun. This has been challenging. It's been a lot of truth, and I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by this. David, thank you so much for your time. And to all of our listeners, listen, when you've done everything you can do, you should stand.